0: You are listening to the Certified Personal Trainer Podcast. A show by personal trainers. For personal trainers. It's time. It's time to become a better trainer. Get more clients. And and change more lives. And change more lives. And now, here's your host, the head coach and founder of Fitness Mentors, Eddie Lester.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Fitness Mentors Certified Personal Trainer Podcast. My name is Eddie Lester, your host. And today I'm really excited to introduce Dr. Lemming. He's the author of The Psychology of Coaching for Fitness Professionals as we really emphasize the today's topic of using compassion as a driver for growth. So I wanted to first welcome uh, Dr. Lemming to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much my friend. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome. So yeah, really just uh, uh, Dr. Lemming and I have, have talked a little bit little bit over the last few weeks and and as you know I expand my growth for understanding how to do- deliver coaching uh, to online personal trainers, personal trainers and really assist them in their career path, I really connected with him as we share a lot of similarities around the need for exploring yourself in your growth. And specifically, you know, as we deliver our fitness programs and create programs and help our clients get through you know from, uh, step one all the way through uh, to getting the the dream or achieving the dream goals that they have, uh, you know, really really looking to emphasize how important it is to wrap our growth in to help others or, and really just build on that. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give the, the mic over to Dr. Lemon to, to introduce himself a, a little bit more.
2: Thank you so very much. It's an honor to be here. I, I appreciate it everything that you're doing. And I agree when we first met and we started to speak, um, it's not a lot of, there aren't many fitness professionals I've worked with over the last 25 years who will mention the word love in the very first conversation that you have with them. <laughs> so as soon as I heard that, I knew that we were, we were likely going to be speaking the same language. So yeah, I've been blessed to be, um, in the industry, um, as an owner and operator of boutique personal training centers now for over 20 years and have operated as many as 12. Um, I currently operate six. So it, it really still is the, um, the meat and bones of my practice as a coach. Um, I'm also a consultant um, because of my experience as a businessman and because of the fact that I have a PhD in psychology, as well as a host of personal changes I've been through. I kind of represent somewhat of a unique um, perspective in that in this one lifetime, I've experienced a, a number of very significant events that allow me to have a Uh, just a a vantage point and a perspective that's unique and and I seem to be somewhat skillful in communicating it to other people. Um, You know, we as fitness professionals spend more time with our clients than nearly any other health professional in their lives. And so the truth is the amount of contact we have, the camaraderie that it creates, the friendliness that it involves is such a fertile ground for really significant change that establishes us as what we would call an essential service, right? Which would be kind of cool especially at this time in Mm -hmm. in the earth's development. So um, it's really the thing that I've I've built my entire practice on is with my coaches is facilitating their personal growth so that they can then share that with their clients.
1: I love that. And that's something, you know, on this podcast, I've, I've really made it a point to, to share is, is not only my growth, but then also sharing how that growth can, can, uh, or how, you know, my growth can assist uh, my students' growth and then their growth within themselves can assist their clients. And really that, that Yeah, like like you talked about sharing the the love of yourself and putting it out there to um, everyone. And not Absolutely. not only your coaching clients, but in your relationships and things like that as well.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's you know we we align in the book that we have. Uh, it's been it's been sort of governing my practice for many years. Is that I, I really don't care what you know until I know that you care. <laughs> and so our, our job as coaches is to first demonstrate that that thing called care. But, When you try to operationalize that term it's very difficult like what does it mean to care about someone and so what we know when you break it down into its basic elements is that one just giving a person your time on a consistent and regular basis is a way of demonstrating that you care so just showing up is a Mm -hmm. good portion of that but now when we as trainers show up with our clients whether or not they feel genuinely cared for will often be tied to whether or not they feel genuinely understood and you now to understand someone, is not a mental experience. It's more of a physical and usually somewhere around the chest that we call it heartfelt understanding mm-hmm. that if a client is having a struggle in their lives, just an attempt to make some significant change or not so significant change, I don't need to be intimately aware of that specific experience, but I do need to understand that difficulty and how often we're going to fail and how often we're going to bump into some of the ugliness of our own personalities and our own experience. And if I can offer a client a heartfelt sense of understanding, so literally when they're with me, Mm -hmm. they feel that they're with someone who gets them, that sometimes is enough to actually provide for the growth experience. Just Mm -hmm. that platform of being understood, it frees people up to experience the wisdom that their bodies hold. I mean, you're talking about 33 trillion cells here, all doing what they want without you or I giving them any permission whatsoever. We don't breathe our own breath most often. We don't beat our hearts ever. We don't grow our own hair or digest our own food. We are biological happenings, but we do have influence over that experience. That influence really only takes place in this very moment. So presence is a very important part of demonstrating understanding and care, being able to be fully present. That's not easy for us as fitness professionals if we're captivated by a conversation in our head about the past or the future, Mm -hmm. which is very easy to get caught up in, right? So we talk about, teaching trainers how to be fully present, show up on time, be fully present, be available to the client, but then to be available to their emotional experience and offer them understanding, that's the skill set that that establishes real value so that you can then share the knowledge they're learning mm-hmm. from you on the actual techniques and periodization and programming. like That stuff's incredibly valuable. Once a person invites you in, the knowledge you have darn well better be effective Otherwise, the relationship isn't going to last long, mm-hmm. but they're not going to let you in based on what you know. Yeah. They're going to let you in based on how much you care.
1: I love that. And actually, just, just kind of kind of building on that, a, a lot of our, our focus lately has been on, uh, on really helping personal trainers take their business online. Yeah. And one thing that we focused on so significantly is effective communication.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And But when we, when we talk about communication, I really feel that it's about sharing, like you mentioned, that that compassion. To really prove to your clients that understanding yeah. and really you know uh, really just you know help them with with what they're going through and how you know like like you mentioned, delivering the fitness program is not that much about the coaching process oh. it's it's getting them to do that with the intent to be successful
2: yeah.
1: and hel- and helping them through that is all is pretty much the main job that we have as trainers
2: yeah and and I think it's a thing i'll say before i go any further is that for for trainers new in the industry i I think i have at last count almost forty thousand hours of coaching under my belt so when you first come into the industry there's a lot of there's a lot to be lost if you try to rush things that the, the great the great entertainer he would call himself alan watts would say that the the closer we make the points of a and b in our lives the more similar they are the reason points a and b are as far apart as they are is because they are sacred and b becomes more exotic the further it is away from A. So these coaches Mm -hmm. don't need to hurry this process, Mm -hmm. but they do need to be committed to it. And the way that we commit to it is exactly what you said. So most trainers would be familiar with certain planes of motion, certain muscles activities, how to activate, how to deactivate, how to mobilize and practice that so that they're really familiar with the experience and so that they can share it with their clients. They don't have to be masters of it, but they ought to practice it so that they're familiar with it. The same is true for this emotional content you're, you're, you're discussing. I held a webinar um, last week for about 160 people and I think I pretty successfully kept probably about 150 of them engaged for the entire hour. That if I were to yawn, you would likely yawn, that there's a form of energy that we're sharing right now, even though it's just digital, that it's still very intimate. The degree of intimacy is largely gonna be the result of both your capacity and mine to meet at the same frequency. Mm -hmm. So as a coach, my job is to sort of drive that part of the experience, to invite people into a level of intimacy, which sometimes just means moving closer to the camera. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's like just relating so that it draws people in. It it brings people back. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: That's our job is to keep people engaged. That my primary job as a coach, and this is important, Mm -hmm. is to direct the attention of my client. Since all we really have is this moment, that's all we have. That is the mm-hmm. moment where change will, will take place or won't take place this moment. <laughs> my primary job as a coach is to have you engage in the ultimate freedom that you have as a human, which is the freedom to pay attention. So my job as a coach is to basically discern what are you paying attention to and to move <laughs> your attention to the object that will likely create the growth experience. Sometimes that. that sometimes that'll be the base of your left heel. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be the position of your shoulder. sometimes it'll be my voice. Mm-hmm. if I bring your attention to all these different elements of your experience and you have a growth experience, you're going to attribute much of that to me. I love that. And that's how my value goes mm-hmm. up. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And, and really, really, we, we talk a lot about the human to human connection. Like you were mentioning earlier, is just, just how, how are you creating an experience with your client that surpasses what the expectations are around a, a typical coach? And that's, that's where online training becomes so important also in-person training as well, but, but, you know, when most people think about the transition from in-person training to online training, they, they try to recreate an in-person session, which never works because what, what you're able to do as an online trainer, as an online coach is deliver the communication and, you know, kind of, kind of like you mentioned the, the steps towards focus. Um, in a way that, that, that is significantly different from in-person. And utilizing technology to do all that is so, so, so important.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, when you and I are in the same space, the part of my body that actually communicates with yours is my heart. That The energy from my brain only goes out about one-fifth the distance as the energy from my heart. So the mm-hmm. truth is that how I feel is a bigger driver to your experience than what I think. I love that. And I think it's true. I think it's true online too. We don't, we don't have the research yet because we we've not had any reason to do it, but I think it's pretty, I mean, listen, if if the, if the computer screen in front of me and the one in front of you are capable of communicating to a satellite and then back to earth and (laughs) our, our bodies are capable of doing it as well. We're not really quite sure of the the power of DNA yet. So Mm -hmm. there's still an important thing for, for trainers to regulate how they feel. That's really that that physical experience of being who you are, is your greatest asset and that. it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be without regret or guilt. All that stuff's normal. What matters is how open we are to our own emotional experience, so that if it rises, it rises and then it falls. What we as human beings have a tendency to do is to hold on to things, usually because we want a greater sense of control, even if it means we're torturing ourselves while we do yeah. it. <laughs> so our job as, as, as coaches is really to be the most insanely human people in the room. Which means as perfectly imperfect as we can be. So it's not about mastery of, of anything other than openness. Like openness. just uh, Yeah. Like like. When that's that's,
1: it, that's where we talk about that self love element. Yeah. Is that if you're if you're if you're truly loving yourself in a specific moment, you have the ability to pay attention to what mirrors back that love in in and around you. I, I, I love that element.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a and it's measurable. We're not even quite sure exactly. I think when you use the term love, I think if we were to break it down, which is very difficult to do, there's an element of understanding in love. There's mm-hmm. an element of acceptance in love. I love it. There's an element of having a person. If we, can, if we as coaches can help our clients find joy where they are, wow. while also maintaining curiosity about what they can be, we've mm-hmm. done our job. But for a long time, our profession has talked about talked to people about where they should be, and mm-hmm. that should that should mm-hmm. word is a dangerous word. They shouldn't be anywhere other than where they are. Mm-hmm. But if I can help a client find joy in being where they are, first of all, they'll, they'll, they'll thank me forever because that's a pretty difficult thing, especially mm-hmm. when their head is telling them that they shouldn't be where they are. They shouldn't weigh what they weigh. They shouldn't be as slow as they are or as weak as they are or whatever else mm-hmm. other kind of judgment they're putting upon themselves. If I can help them to find joy in who they are, but then also cultivate a curiosity about what's possible. The mm-hmm. curiosity is a powerful driver. Most people don't use curiosity. They use concern, which is a fear-based driver. Mm-hmm. We're gonna move away from concern. We're gonna to move towards curiosity.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We're gonna talk about how we can play at this game instead of work at it. Like the best, the best pianists play the piano. They don't work the piano. Mm-hmm. They play it. So is it possible that we can use that same attitude in our training? Let's mm-hmm. play. And kids, kids sweat when they play, but it's still play it's not work. Mm-hmm. So this isn't doesn't mean that we're going to have any less effort or have any less of an effect. But if our attitude is playful, see now you're creating an environment where we can have this thing called self-love begin to rise. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty hard to feel good about yourself when everything in your environment is telling you that you should be somebody else. Mm-hmm. I love that. Right, right? which to which tri- typical fitness tells people because we present ourselves as what they're supposed to be and that's not the case.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and you, you and I talked talked about the current representation of of the industry uh, on a previous phone call Mm -hmm. um, in in the sense of really just, just uh, you know, the the industry does have a bit of shine and shimmer Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, really detracts from what we're actually doing in in the sense of being an effective coach and an effective, uh, you know, fitness trainer, uh, online personal trainer, whatever you may want to call it. Um, And you know, that one of the, one of the biggest things that, that we can do as, trainers that are currently educating ourselves by listening to a podcast like this is work towards the self growth that allows the service that you deliver to be, uh, you know, of great experience, of great value and of great growth within yourself and with the people that you're coaching. Yes. So, yeah, just, just, uh, just kind of wanted to re- reflect on, on that conversation of, of, you know, and, and, and really a lot of times when, when, uh, our trainers look at the industry and look at, you know, the, Instagram trainer that's, 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 you know, doing X, Y, and Z. And, and they, they, they tend to get caught up in the sense of, of do they either, you know, want to be making that money and, and doing that, or do they, what do they want to do? What does that even mean to them? And, and really a lot of times the direction that they should follow is, is all already inside them. And then, and then moving, or moving and really the needle within themselves to then create something that they love that they enjoy and and an experience for their clients that is them yeah. within that growth
2: so let's let's imagine that you know a lot of trainers that I've worked with and I've worked with thousands over the years you know get into the industry normally because they enjoy exercise and that usually means that exercise gives them positive feedback meaning their body tends to adapt pretty quickly and they look pretty good that's really a part of what gets a lot of people into the industry so sometimes they're not as familiar with the difficulties of people whose bodies are different than they would like them to be, mm. and and a little bit more resistant to change, right? Mm. So that experience you just gave, I sort of imagine this you know, young young trainer who's who's fit and you know in the heyday of their physicality, right? I'm 49 now, so my heyday's over. It's a very different experience when your physicality starts to decline, even mm. though my effort hasn't declined, my yeah. will hasn't declined but my body has, regardless <laughs> yes. of what I do, no one's ever been able to stave off death, right? Mm-hmm. So I imagine like your average young fit personal trainer in that conversation we were just having about Instagram. See, that's their cupcake. Mm-hmm. Like that feeling they have with that, that desire, that they're being told that's what they should be. That's the average client's experience with, you know, choosing not to work out or choosing to mm-hmm. overeat. or It's that same thing. So there's still so much for the trainer to be learned in that exchange. So. Mm-hmm. So, while they might not have the same struggle as the client, they have struggle. Like, look how real that feels that when you see that Instagram person, how so badly there's a part of you telling you that that's what you should be. And it's not true. Yeah. You, you're, you've, been sold, you've been sold something. And that's why it exists, by the way, because it's a very effective sales technique. No, I don't have to buy it.
1: Yeah, I love the way you related that because your clients are going through the same thing sometimes, yes. even with the training. Yes. Yes. And I, yeah, that's like, yes. we're, we're yes. all, you know, we're all in a way in, in, in our own minds, um, have this epitome of what we should do or yeah. where we should get and that sort yeah. of thing. And, and I, I love that in the beginning of, of this talk, you really focused on the now. yeah Because there's, there's, there's nothing that's going to get you where you want to be, wherever that may be, except for focusing on what you can do now to get there.
2: Yes. And also
1: enjoy your life and and, and love. And yeah, in that sense.
2: A really nice mantra. Like this is the kind of one that you will want to put in a frame on your wall. Which is that no human deserves the future they hope for. If they don't have the capacity to live in the moment that you don't deserve the future you hope for, because you'll never be able to experience it anyway.
1: That's so true. Wow. Whenever
2: it happens, you're not going to magically develop the ability to be present. That's a skill. Wow. So if you really wanna experience the life of your dreams, mm-hmm. should you be lucky enough to achieve it? Start by being here. Yeah. There's never a good reason not to be here. Mm-hmm. And now we, now we can talk about what are the different avenues to show up here? Well, the best yeah. one happens to be your own breath. Yeah. The next best one happens to be any other sense of the physical body. The point is mm-hmm. that the physical body is the greatest gateway to the now. And look at that, that's the tool that we use in our practice. Mm-hmm. So that if we're working with a client, we have a conversation about presence, we have a conversation about mindfulness and how we can use the body to become more present. You just became a a coach, a teacher, Mm -hmm. a source of wisdom, perhaps in the life of a person who's significantly older than you. Mm -hmm. But that's okay, because now you just elevated yourself. Mm -hmm. That wisdom does not necessarily need years. It just needs experience. Mm -hmm. So rather than try to compete with our clients when we're 25 and they're 46 and try to be an expert in something, let the age difference be what it is. But bring to the table what you do know and bring it with confidence. I love that. But if you can begin to talk about presence with people, listen, mindfulness has now been, it's been prostituted now for about 10 years, it's been in existence for 3,000 absolutely But now it's become sexy right listen most people <laughs> still most people are still completely unaware of what it really means mm-hmm. and so if as a coach you can invite people to become present during a movement between sets after a set and reflection they will not forget that experience and your value just went up
1: i i, I love this as a, as a great transition towards talking about your four streams is it four streams of compassion is that correct
2: four streams of compassion based high performance yeah.
1: i love that yen yeah. Uh, and this is a course that that you have, correct?
2: Yes, it's on uh, it's online on uh, Udemy. Or Udemy, yeah. I've never Udemy. Known how to yeah, Udemy.com. Udemy. 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 Thank, Udemy. Udemy.
1: Thank you. I love it. Yes, yeah. so, search Doctor August Lemming if, if you're looking uh, or on Udemy to for that, yes. or even even just on Google, and I'm I'm sure that'll pop up. Um, but you know, the, I I love <clears throat> giving our students just just actionable advice, mm-hmm. you know and. And uh, the, the, the breath and being in the moment and feeling the physical body, I feel like is so actionable for either right now if you're listening yeah. or, uh, you know, to, to take that to, you know, somewhere where you can focus on that and, and really just use it at, at all times. Because like we mentioned, being in the moment is so important. But talk to me about your, your, your four streams of, yeah, compassion based high performance.
2: And, and there's a reason why they're streams and it's because they're fluid. At one point mm-hmm. I considered calling them pillars, but pillars are fixed. These are not fixed, they're yeah. very fluid, which means
0: mm-hmm.
2: you're likely to meet me in whatever stream you know best. Yeah. And the four streams are intelligent exercise. The second stream is intelligent consumption, which not only means food, but anything else we take in, what we see and what we hear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The third stream is the practice of mindfulness, primarily through the art of meditation but there are other forms of mindfulness. And then the fourth stream is the intentional cultivation of friendliness, kindness, loving kindness, empathy, or compassion in that order, with Mm -hmm. compassion being the most highly evolved of all of them.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Most people will recognize one of those streams as the one that's sort of most essential to them. I know that for me, if I don't engage in intelligent exercise, I just don't don't do well. That it's become Mm -hmm. such an integral part of who I am, that that's something that I need to attend to. But if I can attach to that, if we can make part of our practice on a daily basis as coaches, a five minute or a 10 minute commitment to any one of the other streams. So, and I know most people in fitness will do that, right? We'll dedicate like 45 minutes to an hour to the physical piece.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and then most of us will dedicate eh, probably about a half an hour total in terms of meal prep or planning mm-hmm. other, than, other than cooking and consuming. So now we've got like a, you know, an hour and 15 minutes dedicated to the, our growth. For the mindfulness and the compassion piece, if we can just add five to 10 minutes on the back end of our workout or on the front end of our workout to to practice the art of bringing our attention to the body in this moment, which is what meditation is, and it takes practice. And once we start getting good at keeping ourselves what we call single-minded, which means we can bring our awareness to one part of the body and keep it there as long as we choose, instead of having it flutter off because we Mm -hmm. hear something or because there's a thought and we kind of get lost, Mm -hmm. Once we develop the capacity to be single-minded, that's when we can start doing some of the work with compassion, which means literally taking five minutes of your day, and maybe it's just wishing people well. Start with the people who are closest to you, who it's easy to wish well. Then go to people who are neutral, so someone you don't really know but you see, like your mailman. And then go to people who have actually harmed you, and you'll see the difficulty in in feeling a genuine sense of well-wishing towards people that you don't know or people who have hurt you that's the muscle we're trying to strengthen Mm -hmm. so that when you're in a relationship with a client or someone outside your business and they do something that is unwanted or unexpected you handle it and maybe you handle it as a businessman or a father or a significant other Mm -hmm. but you handle it with compassion as the driver not aggression or a desire to get even like it's truly a heartfelt sense of you know what I don't think that's going to be helpful for you or me. So I think we should talk about that. Like Mm -hmm. it's one of the things I do in the business world is I teach people how to hold people accountable in a Mm -hmm. very powerful way, but in a way that allows people to feel their own feelings around their action instead of feeling my feelings around their action. Mm -hmm. I don't want my feelings to be the driver for my clients. Mm -hmm. I want their feelings to be the driver. But what I'm supposed to do is create an environment where they feel safe enough to feel their feelings. That's, that's, that's a serious thing when you give a person that experience and there's no better way to do it than with exercise. Exercise immediately brings people to the current moment, especially if the exercise involves any element of balance or if it's, if it's a new exercise in any way. People tend to immediately focus, bring themselves to the present moment because they don't want to fall or they don't want to drop something. So it's cool, it integrates them. But if we can point that out and help people understand that what just happened was integration through your body and you can do that at any time, even when you're not exercising, by using your breath. And let's take five minutes at the end of the workout to do that together. Our value just keeps going up, man. Just keeps going up. So I think the four streams are important for us to just take a look at. Are we engaging in some form of healthy exercise, healthy consumption, the practice of mindfulness, and the cultivation of friendliness? Am I dedicating some time to them? If I am, I can pretty much rest assured that I'm doing the best I can all mm-hmm. of myself as a professional.
1: Yeah, and and, and just kind of kind of Building on that, I do I do want to revisit that, but I just I just had a thought that I that I wanted to share is the the easiest we'll say uh, uh, we'll say factor or the easiest way to tell where you're at in your current growth and uh, we'll say uh, attempt in your you know uh, we'll just say that uh, uh, intelligent exercise uh, consumption mindfulness and that sort of stuff is, is to look at the the things around you that are affecting you in a sense of directly. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but, but when you go out into the world, what, what do you see, um, in the sense of, are you seeing the person not putting their shopping cart back and you're angry about that? Or are you seeing, um, a person walking by with their daughter and, and, and sharing love together? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you, are you attracting in the world, uh, people say are being friendly and kind to you? And using that as a tool to see and gauge where your current level of self-love is, uh, of potential for growth, of currently being true to yourself. Um, that, that, that's really, really something that, that I've, I've practiced. And, and uh, I mean, I'm sure all of you guys have gone through a, a, a tough time and felt, will say, that you're just, the world is caving in, in a sense. Um, in, in, in one way or another. And, and you just feel like, like there is ev- everything that, that you see is negative. And w- when that happens, whether it be the smallest thing in the world on, on a once daily basis, or you're, you feel like, like this, you know, pandemic is hurting, we'll say, uh, affecting people's lives deeply. That is a direct, you know, sort of mirror as to your level of self-love, your, your level of, of where you're at in your growth and I, I i love using that as an example because it's a direct thing that 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 people can use and, and our, our trainers can use uh on a daily basis in in every single moment are they mad about something and what was it and what does that what does that mean to them in that sense and, and directly seeing that is so so important for for telling where you're at on this path towards you know enhancing the four streams so let, let's let's talk about I, I love 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 that you included uh, intelligent exercise and, and it's not too often that that in in psychology I, I mean it's not too often in psychology that you see this being such an important pillar and that's why I love that that your uh, approach is is unique in that respect so t- tell me just a just a little bit more about um, how you came up with that or, I mean or ha- how you how you emphasize a lot of your work on that
2: yeah well because for so many years fitness was really it was motivated by as, as so many things in the West, the capacity to do more meant that it was healthier, right? So to be more muscular was to be healthier. To be to be leaner was healthier. To be able to run further was healthier. And of course, none of that is really true. That intelligent exercise is exercise that allows a person the opportunity to make use of what they have, make use of their physical body through the art of volitional movement, which is an, is an amazing thing that, that I can do this and it feels like I'm doing it, but I could never explain to you how i'm doing it like there's a lot of miracles taking place in order for this to happen so intelligent exercise is exercise that invites a person into this very intimate relationship the most intimate relationship any of us has is with our own body it's where we live and so it, it introduces people to the most intimate relationship they have and it really is the clearest demonstration of how well you're getting along how you care for this body is really, and it's okay to not be getting along real well all the time. You don't have to be, but how well you're getting along is going to be very, made very clear by how well you relate to this physical body. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking. Yeah,
1: no worries. We're, we're, all, we're all working from home. I love it. Freaking out in the background.
2: Um, so, that, that, so intelligent exercise was the idea of, okay, so let's think about this. To what degree am I supposed to go to this place where it's difficult for me and, and to what reward? So we'll have clients, for example, who want to train more than is really good for them, but it's because they want to do something for some higher purpose. Like running a marathon isn't really good for most people. It's pretty derogatory as a physical experience, But it's, but it can have a very significant spiritual meaning. Mm-hmm. So my job as a coach is to help people have that experience and do as little damage as possible. It's not my job to decide for them what the purpose of their physicality is. I love that. But my job is to prepare them in the most intelligent way, which I think the most important lesson I learned, I studied years ago with some pretty major certification bodies at their very beginning. And we were given information back then very different than you would be given to it given it today. But one of the principles I've always kept with is that when it comes to physical growth, doing the least amount of specific work possible is ideal. Mm-hmm. That to do any more work than that doesn't actually create greater degrees of change. It just requires more time to make the change that would have been made. Yeah. The body now has to heal more than it would have had to heal. It's like a light switch. Mm-hmm. Once you flick it on, it's on, To push it any further. doesn't make any sense. Right. I
1: love that. That's a great so analogy.
2: intelligent exercise is to, in order to be intelligent about our exercise, we have to take into consideration. So if I can get this person to do something physically that I believe they can do, but as they approach their limit, there's a level of fear that comes up in them. That's a result of trauma as a child that I don't know about. And I see them start to back away from that feeling of discomfort. Can I be intelligent enough and heartfelt enough to see that and then explore it with them in a way that provides an opportunity for growth rather than pushing them. I don't like to use the word push. Mm -hmm. My job as a coach is not to push it's to invite, Mm -hmm. invite, Mm -hmm. allow people to feel empowered enough to move where they feel safe moving they don't feel safe my job is to provide them with safety Mm -hmm. so intelligent exercise is really about you know knowing about human movement knowing about planes of motion knowing about what what does maybe cause some biomechanical inefficiencies in some people and efficiencies in others and being open to the fact that we will never know everything Mm -hmm. it's impossible right Mm -hmm. but the fact that we're even committed to considering what is intelligent for this human body which also means what is intelligent for this human heart Mm -hmm. And this human soul, because all that stuff lives in the body.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I put it first in the four streams because I also think it's the most productive. It's we as exercise professionals have an opportunity to work with people in a way, unlike any other, that Mm -hmm. is, is it is nearly guaranteed to create a positive growth experience for our client unless they're diseased or malnourished. If you just use a modicum of intelligence when you prescribe exercise for people, they're going to get stronger or more mm-hmm. fit or more flexible. And if you really point out when that's happening, how it's happening, you're going to get credit for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we're like instant validation. Yeah, It's not the case with a financial planner or a relationship oh, yeah. <laughs> therapist. Like there's way more variables in those other fields. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in ours, but it's so dependable. Mm-hmm. That if we can just show up, keep people entertained sometimes. Forget about all the intelligence. Just yeah. keep them entertained while they're mm-hmm. working harder than they thought they could. And then point out what just mm-hmm. happened and your value just went up. Yeah. With what I'm you best. said before about sort of monitoring your, your your degree of really how well you're doing by how you feel. You kept using the word feel. And, and it's really important. Our job, you and I as coaches of coaches, is to help them wake up to how they feel more often because most people don't know how they feel mm-hmm. until the feeling is so big. They've already yelled at the person for leaving their car yeah. in the parking lot. So our job mm-hmm. is to become more sensitive to the messages of our body because how you feel doesn't come from here. It mm-hmm. comes from here. Mm-hmm. And who else better than us should be in touch with this. Yeah. And so every now and then, if you want to see how you're doing, just see how you feel. Yeah.
1: I, I, I so agree in that because I one of the biggest drivers to my focus is my emotions, yes. and and you know that like, like I mentioned, being angry for the person at, at the shopping mm-hmm. cart—that's a—that's a direct emotion that has an effect on my body in some way, an effect on my mind. Yes. Yes. And uh, uh, just kind of circling back to that in, intelligent exercise, um, I love that that it's it's almost like you're, you're saying that that in order to progress—not and not necessarily progress—but in order to to really will live in the moment and, and grow just in general and self-love and compassion, um, really focusing on the physical form of you yes. and exercise is a way that directly brings challenges to you in a physical form. Yeah. And also that, that the feeling of what exercise does to you is a direct reflection of, of, of how you can feel about the other streams that you mentioned. Um, in in the in the uh, emotional mental capacity in the spiritual capacity um, it's just so easy for the human body to experience uh, we'll say exercise as yeah. a form of the physical
0: yeah. and connect
1: yeah. Was, you know? yeah connecting to that physical is so important and it's a great stepping stone to then connect with the emotional and then to connect yeah. with the spiritual and and all the I, I love your your four streams that was something that that really st- stood out to me but um do, do you want to say anything more about exercise? Because I want to talk about these others as well.
2: I think it's, it. the physical is, it's a controlled environment for the mm-hmm. growth experience with little risk.
0: It's yeah. like, you know, risk. I, I love that little risk. Gonna, there's gonna, wow. There's going
2: yeah, to be a lot more risk when we start talking about being heartfelt and being oh, loving yeah. and being compassionate. <laughs> You're going to have your heart broken. I mean, that's and definitely the yeah, fear, the fear. Yeah. Oh my God. 100%. Mm-hmm. So this environment is such a, it's, 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 so, it's just one of the easiest to create change. Now, I'm not suggesting that our job is easy because I've, mm-hmm. I've said this for years, too, that you know, I've worked with medical doctors as a therapist and as a coach before, and, and they get to do their thing with their clients asleep. We don't get to do our thing with our clients asleep. We actually need to address the whole person as we invite them into doing something that a part of them doesn't want to do. Wow. That's yeah. complicated, mm-hmm. but the quickest way to in, to inject valid validation to who we are, validity to who we are, is to have them do something, point out the growth that just took place, put our hands across our chest, like look what we just <laughs> did, and now all of a sudden we as a team are more powerful than they were without me. Oh, man. I'm never I'm never getting fired.
1: Yeah, and, and guys, to just just to relate that to to how we're delivering our services is is. That value there in, in, in which uh, Dr. Levin just, just talked about, that, that's the value that you have as a fitness yes. professional. Yep. You know, so, so many new trainers out there and are just really focused on, I'm like giving someone an hour to, to help them get in shape. And they give them a fitness program with execute variables and X amount of cardio and so on and so forth. It, it's, it's what you have the potential to do as a human in this profession is so much more than just that. And that's where the value comes in when you think about uh, providing a, someone with a service as, as a fitness professional. So, so I, I love to, to use that as motivation because a lot of our students that are newer to online training now are kind of limiting themselves in, in the sense sure. of value because yeah. yeah. they, they don't realize, like you're just mentioning, the, the ability to connect and provide that, that, that simple win that is life changing in well in, in many many instances.
2: Well so. said. Simple win. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, I think we oscillate between being exercise instructors, which is not very complicated and doesn't have much mm-hmm. value, right? We're trying to be more than that because you can get that off of a video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to I don't want to compete with the video. I'm way more valuable than a video. Mm-hmm. And then the other end of the spectrum is that we're supposed to be these entertainers who who keep and that's exhausting and it really mm-hmm. doesn't provide intimacy. We're mm-hmm. talking about coaching, which is yeah. a very intimate. Very powerful, dare I say, magical relationship that it provides mm-hmm. people with, in your words, the simple win. But that simple win is sometimes enough to introduce people to the confidence mm-hmm. that they've always had but didn't know. Yeah, so you're, you're, we're wake, we're in the business of waking people up, mm-hmm. and there's very yeah. few people and very few professions that have as much influence as we do. I
1: very love few. it. I love it. And actually, just just another another point on that is is when we think about all the services that we can offer as a fitness professional, your you can, you can create your services based on the amount of value that you're delivering in that respect. Like I, I, know, I, I noticed that you mentioned a, a group fitness instructor. There's, mm-hmm. there's limited amount of interactivity that you can have with a, on a one-on-one basis as a human mm-hmm. with, with your people besides that you're, what you're saying to the group which can be very good, but as far as really challenging individuals in, in, in a coaching sense, right. um, it's it's limited, we'll say. Yes,
2: but it's um, But it's the most valuable one in the whole fitness industry. And that's what keeps clubs open. Oh yeah, 100%. There's no limit in the value. but there's, Yeah, no, there's, we... we, there's, you we,
1: know. we we've been talking about online group fitness options sure. Sure. as an online personal trainer. And I think that is going to be absolutely necessary. Actually my last podcast was about the future of the fitness industry and having online group classes for your gym is a must. And even as a personal trainer to even do that once or twice a week to bring more people in to view you and see who you are and interact with you is important. And then really just building on what I was saying is, is the value that you're providing can be tiered in your packages just like, just like what we talked about to make, you know, something that's, that's way deeper, simple, as far as the delivery. Uh, when you think about pricing, uh, your, your packages, this is why I say, you know, you can be charging so much more than, than a few hundred dollars a month as, as an online fitness coach is, is because of what you're providing. And I, sure. I, I love that, that you laid it out so clearly, uh, in these, in these four streams. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so talk to me about consumption. Um, I, I, I mean this. This I feel like this is a topic that we we could talk about for, for an sure. hour or, or many more. But as far as like the the the, the simplicity of, of consumption, talk talk to me a little bit about that and how you came to kind of uh,
2: understand that. Well, I, I was you know at 24 years old, I was 360 pounds, right? So I lost 160 pounds when I was uh, between the ages of 24 and 27, which is really how I established myself as a dare I say expert
0: mm-hmm. in the
2: science of building muscle tissue, elevating metabolism,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: reducing body fat, which is not really for everyone. It, it's had consequences in my life. So while it, mm-hmm. it created a physique that appeared to be like I was like totally disciplined, but was really more obsessed than I was disciplined, and there's a difference. Mm-hmm. But I did walk away from that knowing quite a bit about how to manipulate metabolism. And some people do, in fact, require that because their metabolism has been subdued or has been mm-hmm. put to sleep as a result of just cultural changes or psychological experiences. So. For me, my exploration into into consumption was rooted in that. To simplify it, I created something called called the FQMQ, which means when I speak to people about consumption, I speak about first the frequency with which they eat, then I speak about the quantity that they eat, then I speak about the mindfulness with which they eat. They eat in such a way that allows their body to experience all the wisdom of the food. Because I have a tendency to swallow my food whole because I'm 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 a compulsive person, so I just want it here. I don't want to Mm -hmm. keep it here as long as it should be, right? Mm -hmm. And then the final cue is the actual quality of food. So just talking to people about how they look at food because everything you are is food. You're a giant bag of food.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: But that also means that all of your emotions, all of your desires, the love inside of you is made of food
0: Mm -hmm.
2: because you're made of food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not not one cell of your body was delivered from another universe with your name on it. It's all been made up from the stuff you've consumed. Mm-hmm. So how we treat our body and how we feed our body are the two most visible signs of how much we care about ourselves. Really, I they it. are. And this is not to judge people who are struggling with that, but it's just to be honest that mm-hmm. if I care about myself, those are the two ways I show it most. Uh, mm-hmm. Arguably, how often you allow yourself to get tense or stressed is another one, but that one's way more complicated because <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it tends to happen immediately. Yeah. Whereas our ability to move intelligently and eat intelligently is sort of an ongoing process. We have many chances to address it. Tension and stress are like, bam, like that's a complicated one. But mm-hmm. we also know that if we're exercising and eating well, we're going to experience less stress. Yeah, very true. Right. So they, they lead to it. So intelligent consumption when it's, when it's about food is through the FQMQ when it's about anything else, it's about just, just understanding that, you know, the decisions we all think we make, the research on decision-making shows that most decisions can be, pretty accurately forecast about four to seven seconds before you make them by certain changes in your body. So like, we're not really in control of as much as we think we are. So if you're not careful, and you let certain noises come in, or even certain voices that are already inside of us. If we entertain them for long periods of time, they have a very significant impact on who we are. We're not even knowing it. It happens slowly, but it happens very powerfully. That's why I think it's a really good test for new coaches, by the way. If new coaches can look at a human being who's doing something that's completely um, fruitless, maybe it even hurts the person doing it, good coaches can look at that person and they can say, I understand.
0: Mm-hmm. If
2: we look at that person and we go, why is she doing, why is he, then you've already tapped out. It's not a bad thing. It just yeah. means that, that you've hit your limit. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't attempt to coach that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? You <laughs> want to get to a place where you can see that behavior and you can go, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. And the exploration of our own relationship with movement and the exploration of our own relationship with food, while they are opportunities for us to learn things and do things better as coaches, they're also opportunities for us to realize what we don't do well mm-hmm. to see our own limitations, yeah. to see our own shortcomings. Cause the more familiar we get with our own mud, the more familiar we will be with the mud of others. Mm-hmm. But it is from that mud that the Lotus is born. So mm-hmm. we don't want to disregard mud. We're not in the business of getting rid of people's mud. Mm-hmm. We're in the business of helping people respect and make use of their mud, so it. that the flower can be born. But you mm-hmm. cannot have a flower without mud. I love it. So if someone <laughs> hands you a flower and there's no mud. It's either fake or it's going to die within a few hours. So <laughs> you understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, and then and then getting this this is something that that I've I've practiced and and really focused on as, as the main, we'll say tool of my growth is, is the mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, that you, that you're, you're, you really have emphasized the physical form in moving, exercising and then consumption based uh, eating in that sense. And, and how, do, how do you, I guess, how do you describe the mindfulness as it, as it relates to the physical in the sense of where, where from that physical, how does
2: that lead you towards this ability to be mindful? Right. And some people may start with the mindfulness. I have one, <laughs> one of the people I work with as one of my teachers is a deeply mindful person, but doesn't take very good care of himself physically. Mm-hmm. And that's just his life in this life. He's, mm-hmm. he's attempting to, but it's just never spoken to him. So mm-hmm. my job is to understand how he can have that experience and mm-hmm. maybe help him to do it in a joyful way. But for some people, for, I think most people in the fitness industry, this experience of learning how, When we move our attention around our body during exercise, it has such a dramatic impact on both the experience and quality of exercise that it's not a tough leap to then then say, wait a second, so then when I'm not exercising, whatever I'm paying attention to is probably having as dramatic an impact on the quality of my experience as well as the experience itself, right? So it's it's not a hard sell. Mm -hmm. So I basically introduce people to the power of attention in exercise. Now the practice of mindfulness is now taking this power of attention that you've discovered and practice placing it on the breath Mm -hmm. and being able to watch thoughts, watch feelings, not disregard, not ignore, not try to stop, but also not necessarily jump on every train that goes through the station. Mm -hmm. That the practice of mindfulness is the ability to be open to our experience in this moment, without any judgment, without any resistance. That doesn't mean surrendering to life in a way that you're just gonna lie there and let it happen. It means surrendering to the moment because it's already here. Mm-hmm. And the more successful we get at surrendering to the moment, this is the cool part, the more free we are to have a serious impact on the next one. See, it's quite the opposite wow, yeah. what most of us think. Most of us think if we say, no, this is wrong, this can't be that somehow sets us up for growth it does not it actually sets us up for staying stuck that if mm-hmm. we can just be open to the moment like really open to it like oh my god that's really heartbreaking like look at me look how hurtful I'm being towards myself or look how hurtful I'm being towards others that's that's a really deep experience and the more open we are to it the more free we are mm-hmm. to actually have a positive influence on the future i love it's that it's not resisting the present moment that creates growth it's mm-hmm. accepting the current moment that creates growth yeah I, I, I would... mindfulness is the practice of it.
1: I was just going to go in and say that the acceptance of the moment, yeah. the yeah. acceptance of the thoughts, the acceptance yes. of the emotion that you may yeah. have the and the accept. Yeah. Like just, just experiencing that as, as this is okay, regardless of wherever it is, whatever it, whatever it may be. And then also one of my biggest things is, is then uh, we'll say taking the responsibility yep. that, that they are my thoughts as well, in the sense of, yep. of anything that in, in my life that has set up or set me up to this moment, what I am responsible for. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's so much power uh, in the ability to be mindful is when you can say that I have created 100% everything that is current in my life through my thoughts, through, through my actions, through my, whatever it may be that that has led me to where I am now was my choice. And I, I, I think in, in, in respect to, to the, uh, mindfulness and exercise and consumption, it's, it's those choices then lead to, uh, and, and basically the, the ability to take responsibility for every single choice, whether it be good or bad, or led to a bad outcome or good outcome. Um, that's when you have the power to, to make change, is when you accept and take responsibility. I love, or that's kind of kind of my, my thoughts on top of that, what you just mentioned.
2: I think, that, I think it's really critical at this point though, to recognize the difference between taking responsibility for something and for seeing it as your fault. Mm-hmm. They are two very different things. So absolutely, when I, st- when I, step, out, when I step outside and I see that there's a, a foot of snow on my walkway, it's my responsibility to shovel it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but it's not my fault that it's there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And there's such a big difference in that attitude because mm-hmm. while you are responsible for all of it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I can promise you that a lot of it took place as a result of causes and conditions outside of your control. Because even if we look at the choices that we do make in our lives, we don't choose the options that we choose from. So all of us have somehow been limited by what we would call karma in, in, in Buddhist psychology. That there, there's a, you know, my DNA, the size of my earlobes, my height, mm-hmm. when I was born, my the rate of flunking that I'm capable of, you know, the length of my finger is like, all of it was outside of my control.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what
2: I am responsible for is how I influence it and how it influences me. I love that, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know but the the word fault i don't use it because there's yeah. a judgment in that the word fault suggests that something happened that should not have mm-hmm. and i can promise you Very that true. nothing nothing happens that should not happen.
1: uh yeah I, that, that that's where i was going yeah especially with yeah. that that's, that's no. awesome no.
2: um
1: and then kind of rounding out your your four streams um the i think your your four stream is it the intentional cultivation of of uh friendliness did you mention or, or, or talk to me about that
2: yeah yeah so this is this is the one that i think has been the most significant differentiator for me. I do a lot of sport sports psychology consulting. I'm really blessed to work with some of the most competitive athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. And the sport the sport that I've worked most with is the sport of rowing, which we know by every measurable um, is the most painful sport in the world. Wow! That, that it, what what a rower feels in a 2,000 meter race is the most physically painful experience of any athlete. Wow! In the world, isn't that incredible? <laughs> um, so it's that- it's a it's a really it's an it's an environment that's really ripe to have all of our default mechanisms show themselves because there's so much stress, so much discomfort, so much doubt, and so much fear, that what I realized is that if, when an, when an athlete or one of our clients, for example, starts to reach about 95% of their current potential in anything, cardiovascularly, stability, strength, behavior change, as they hit about 95% of their current capacity, which is a very sacred space, because now we're talking about the potential for growth, you can promise that three horsemen are going to show up. Doubt, discomfort, and fear. Mm -hmm. Now, when most people have those things rise up in them, they meet them with a sense of like, and they push through and they break down barriers. And All of this is is basically to to invite people to be at war with themselves. Mm -hmm. And I saw something was wrong with that because I had achieved so much in my life. I mean, I lost 160 pounds. I created a near perfect physique without steroids or without surgery. No one in my family ever saw an abdominal muscle, you know what I mean? Like I, I created something that wasn't meant to be, but I did it with aggression as a driver. So no matter how much success I achieved, mm-hmm. I, there was no joy. Wow. There was really no moment of like mm-hmm. celebration or desire to share it. It always felt like it wasn't enough. I was always threatened. It mm-hmm. didn't work. And so I realized that as a high achiever, I, mean, I was an Ivy league graduate, I had a business, I had all this shit that I did, but it just didn't work. And I'm working with these beautiful humans doing this unbelievable amount of work for no real reason. You're in a boat coming backwards. It's not like you're bringing water to the thirsty or food to the starving. It's completely voluntary. Right? What I realized is that if they could meet those experiences of doubt, discomfort, and fear with a sense of kindness, a softness as if to say hi, to welcome that part of their experience, because it's just their body speaking to them. Mm-hmm. Saying, "Listen, what you're doing, by the way, is really not necessary." That's what it means, because your body, <laughs> your body wants homeostasis, right? It doesn't yeah. want growth, it doesn't want change.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, when they meet that with a smile, and they sort of bow to it, and they just smile, their output on the erg goes up. Wow! It's almost immediate; like you see it in real that's, time. That's great. the more open they are, mm-hmm. the higher they perform. Wow! Mm-hmm. So the idea now is, you can't hope for that compassion to show up. You have to spend some portion usually of the day and you were mentioning before the parking lot experience. So the quickest you want actionable items for your for your students. I, I love it. Absolutely. The most, the most actionable item in the world is to practice the art of cultivating gratitude so compassion is a very high end like that's like my ability to literally create space. So that I can share your suffering. Most of us are not ready for that. That's a lot to ask for a human being. Those are the great ones. Those are the Jesus Christs and the Buddhas and the Mahatma Gandhis and the Martin Luther King Jr. Like these are people mm-hmm. who are of this incredible capacity to walk into a room and ease the suffering of others mm-hmm. because they're capable of sharing it with them. We don't need to try to go for that right now. Mm-hmm. What we can start with though is the cultivation of gratitude. So I consider gratitude like a coat. And if every morning you cultivate gratitude and then you go, to your, go through your day with this coat on, when the cold winds of disappointment or rejection or criticism or guilt or shame or all the things that can happen as humans, when those breezes blow, that coat of gratitude keeps us relatively warm. Like we're able to recognize those emotions and bow to them, but they don't penetrate us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And gratitude is the easiest energy to cultivate by simply sitting and writing a list. I was in the shower this morning and I took the time to say thank you to the water out loud sounds silly but it's a part of the practice <laughs> oh man you know it's, it's no no sillier than standing on a treadmill running going nowhere right i mean mm-hmm. we do that voluntarily like just outward like pouring the soap in my hand and being like i'm so lucky to have this soap. <laughs> and all of a sudden your day yeah. just you realize how blessed you are that's so true and, and then you can look at the difficulties of COVID. Mm-hmm. you can look at the difficulties of having six of my facilities shut down and you can be like I'm so lucky to have six facilities to be shut down. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's that attitude shift yeah. that we were talking about before. And gratitude is the quickest way to do that. So mm-hmm. the intentional cultivation of compassion starts by just practicing the art of taking the attention that you've learned now through the practice of your intelligent exercise and your mindfulness and taking your attention and turning it towards what is good in this moment. And mm-hmm. there is an uncountable amount of good. 33 trillion cells right now doing what they're supposed to do for me to be able to have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Words that are coming from my mouth that I'm not thinking before I speak them. They're just coming to me. Mm-hmm. There's a, an uncountable number of good things happening, but I haven't established a very meaningful relationship with them because I'm so often captivated by this very critical conversation in my head about what needs to happen, what shouldn't happen, what will ugh. That's Mm -hmm. where we, that's where we lose our joy and our gratitude. Mm -hmm. So the intentional cultivation of compassion starts by creating some space in your day to turn your attention towards what is good. So you can begin to feel what is good and then you proceed. Don't go out there until you feel good. Do not meet your client until you feel blessed to have them. That's
1: the idea. I love that. I love that. And yeah, that, that, uh, that, and I may be, I may be saying this from my own experience, but, but the, the ability to feel the gratitude with acceptance that it's hard, you know, on, in, in some cases. And because, you know, it's so often to be like, uh, to, well, it's so often to feel maybe, uh, or try to feel grateful, but not, not really find that full gratitude. And, and I've, I've noticed that going through a, when I have an issue or when I have a, something that, that, that makes me angry or something, um, I can't feel gratitude for that. You know, I'm, I'm like, there's so much emotion that's preventing that gratitude. And I noticed as a tool for myself, what the, the way that I got to that gratitude would be through feeling the emotion. Yep. that, that needs to be felt all the way through. So yep. just, just building on that sort of actionable advice for, for, for that gratitude. Cause I know, I know it's so easy to, to fake gratitude or, and maybe not purposefully, but you're just, you're trying so hard that you want to feel grateful for something, but it's just not there. Like that, that's one thing that I, I always went to is where, where's is my emotion feeling me? How is it preventing it? And then really just feel the anger, feel the sadness, feel the,
2: the frustration. Mm -hmm. The denial of that is what we call toxic positivism, which is not, it's not well advised. So Mm -hmm. it's never too late. So you just did a perfect example. So you have enough awareness to recognize you're having an emotional experience. Mm -hmm. In the moment, you're not capable of really seeing the wisdom in it. Maybe in the moment you've forgotten about the mud and the lotus. So your initial reaction towards the negative emotion is to resist it or to reject Mm -hmm. it, to see it as unacceptable. So you go to cultivate gratitude, actually in an effort to get away from the emotion, which is not advisable either. Mm-hmm. You fail at it because you can't. The energy is already there in that moment when you wake up to that whole experience. You can actually begin to cultivate compassion in that moment. You can go, you know what? That's all I can do right now. Mm-hmm.
1: That's wow. Right. Yeah, that's true. and then
2: so it's never too late. Yeah. So it's really about that. acceptance. And so that what you did then was you saw that the gratitude wasn't happening. Like, All right, well, that's the best I can do. Like, mm-hmm. just, and, just and, and be, be grateful for that small and piece. Then, right, right, exactly. And then you just open up yourself. I do a whole course, though, on like, so what is the wisdom of anger? Why is your body producing anger in this specific, particular case? Mm-hmm. Why is it producing sadness? Why is it producing fear? What are the messages the body is trying to bring us through these different emotions? Because they are unique. That's why they have different names. It's like flavors of ice cream. 32 32 of them all different names all different flavors if you order chocolate and the dude gives you strawberry you're gonna be like this ain't chocolate you know the difference because you've tasted them you have to be able to taste the emotion to know the difference and anytime an emotion rises up there is value in it there is wisdom the only emotion that has no wisdom is aggression because aggression is actually what we're trying to do to get away from our emotions so we take the energy of our emotion yeah Throw it at the world, or we throw mm-hmm. it at ourselves. Yeah, act, act on it. Yeah, exactly. Or irresponsibly act on it. Yeah. Yes, in an effort mm-hmm. to create the illusion of more control. That's largely what aggression wow. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see people use aggression as a driver when they train, and it might result in a slightly improved output. But the fact is, if they would have used compassion, their output would have been even better, mm-hmm. and they would be happy at the end. I love so that. The aggression will never result in joy. Mm-hmm. Never. Never. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I, as a, pre- a f- former uh, professional, professional surfer, surfer yeah, yeah professional yeah. surfer, I, I I quickly, well to be honest in, in the most part of my career I th- I thought this aggression was needed to to perform well. Mm-hmm. And uh in my we'll say later years now that I'm I'm I still surf professionally just for fun like one or two contests a year but what I, what I realize is is all the work that I've done to l- grow myself and, and love my life and love, love my, my, what, what I, what I have and be grateful for that, um, has led me to going out into the the competition and not using aggression and just, just knowing that, that, uh, or yeah, in a way it's, 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 it's that, that gratitude that allows me to, well, <laughs> my, my, my career now is is significantly better, uh, than mm-hmm. it was back then. That's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Just, just because mm-hmm. of of the growth that, that, that I've done. And, and, uh, uh, it's just something that so that aligns so much with what, what you're just saying. So it's it's. Yeah. I think I
2: think it's important that that your students know that when we first met. And you made a couple of comments that were very unique for someone in fitness, and I and I told you I have had a lot of these conversations in my career. Then you told me you were a surfer, and it made sense because I told yeah. you that the two two of the most evolved personalities I've had a chance to work with are jujitsu um, um, fighters, for lack of a better term, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and surfers because as a surfer you were invited to surrender to the power of that's the true. ocean that mm-hmm. you, you cooperated with it. Mm-hmm. And as that's a true. result of that surrender, you, there was a wisdom in that. That's and so it's true. the same thing with jujitsu. Cause in jujitsu, if you resist, you set yourself up, that's you wow. set yourself up. If you resist it's fluidity.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's what sort of, I think matured you spiritually as being a surfer. I do believe that. Cause when you told me that I was like, Oh,
0: cause there's no <laughs> way someone your
2: age ought to have the depth that you have, but it's, it's likely, you know, because of your work, I'm not minimizing that, mm-hmm. but also because of the, the surfing experience. And I just want your students to realize how lucky they are to have you because that's, yeah. that's thank powerful. You you're, you're clearly someone who's deeply committed, who really cares and wants to deliver a, an experience and a product that makes a difference, man. That's beautiful.
1: I love it. Thank, thank you so much. And and uh, so kind of kind of wrapping this up, as far as uh, our students kind of learning more about you, is there, is there anywhere, anywhere or any specific? Uh, yeah places that that they can go to, to learn more about you?
2: Sure. My website, augustlemming.com is my personal website. And then um, exercisewithapurpose.com is my business, but there's not much to see there other than my facilities and some of my, of my team members, but augustlemming.com, you know, we're putting together the psychology of coaching video course now, which will be available within probably about a month. So it'll be a, a video based course with some quizzes and we're still looking into how we want to deliver it and where we want to deliver it Um, because i really would like to have it be attached to another brand because it's really just a very specific part of what it means to be in the industry but it's it's a an instruction and a skill set that we can take advantage of in order to introduce people to possibilities and the truth is that as we become aware of them we can use them in our own lives as well so um you know it's not an easy job it's a job that requires a tremendous amount of emotional strength um, and emotional intelligence to, to do well Um, And so caring for ourselves and having that energy that we share come from a place of personal acceptance, I think is the most powerful way to deliver it. And the example I'll use is you can buy someone the most beautiful piece of jewelry that they've ever wanted, but when you give it to them, you throw it at them, it's not going to be received as a gift. I love that. You understand? understand? So our job as fitness professionals is to bring this, this, this wisdom and this beauty and to wrap it in the way that's most appealing to the client.
1: It was it was just Mother's Day, so I just I just had a great great visual. There, so love you. <laughs> I know. Um, awesome. So that that's uh, August Lemming. Lemming is spelled with one M. Yes. Uh, a u g u s t l e m i n g dot com. Thank you, um, August. Thank you so much. I'm I'm sure this will not be the last time that you're on this podcast. I, I, really, I hope really, not, brother. I really you. enjoyed this and uh, uh, look forward to the future and and uh, you know you. working more with you.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you to all your 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 students as well. Uh, best of luck to everybody.
1: Awesome, guys. Well, I will see you next week on the Certified Personal Trainer Podcast. Have a great day.
0: As always, thanks for listening to the Certified Personal Trainer Podcast. You can learn more about Fitness Mentors at fitnessmentors.com. Be sure to share this podcast on social media. And remember, we are here to help you succeed.